You're listening to episode 62 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. So, 2018 is upon us here. It's a new year, and I've got good news. Thanks to the Bothan spies, I know the exact location of the Emperor's new battle station. <gasps> I know the weapons aren't operational. And there is a deflector shield that we can go blow up on a small moon called Endor. Then, Phil, we, we, it's our duty to go after that. Yeah, what do you guys think? My question is, do we have the assistance of a small teddy bear militia? As far as I know, the planet's unpopulated. The moon is unpopulated. I mean, anything's possible, I guess. It's going to be an uphill battle, but I, I think we can do it. I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm, ha- I'm having issues with my dad right now. I don't think I can. Uh, I, I got I to gotta go. He cut off my hand. I know a dude used to shoot Wombat. Womp- oh, man, I messed it up. <laughs> You're so close, oh, buddy. This is why. I used to shoot wombats. That was a trap. <laughs> I said wombats. This is why we don't do that, uh, So this episode of the Comics Pals exists in a weird space because it's simultaneously uh, our last episode of 2017, but also our first one of 2018. Don't really know how to feel about that. Uh, I don't even know. That Happy this m- New Year, I guess. I mean, this might not even make it into 2018, realistically. Um Something bad could happen. We could all die. Wrong. What if the world just low. ends before this? I mean, that's my big plan. Like my big New Year's plans. Like I, I'm, I'm going out. <laughs> so you're gonna drink so hard that you die? No, that sounds terrible. I'm just gonna <laughs> die. That's a long term burn, right there. Drinking till you die. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little messy. I'm just trying to go splat, to be honest. Yeah, look, I'm just trying. I'm trying to die in my sleep. I don't want any, any of this. 2017, guys, look what it's done to the pals. This is not the existential misery, pals, guys. We're going to uh, talk a lot more about our 2017 and uh, cast our predictions for 2018 uh, a little later in the show. Here's one thing that I predict for 2018 that all of you at home will do. You're all going to go on iTunes, and you're going to rate this podcast five stars. That's a New Year's resolution, if I ever heard one. It's not a resolution, Pete. It happened. It's 2018. <laughs> it happened. I f- I'm, I'm, um, gosh, what's that guy's name who predicts things? Oh, Nostradamus? Yeah, man. I'm the black Nostradamus. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Actually, they did the Black Nostradamus already on Chappelle's show. Um, but at any oh rate. Oh, my God. Yeah, they t- <laughs> Yeah. Uh, at any rate, we're also on SoundCloud and Stitcher and all those other places where you can find podcasts. Uh, you can hit us up on the social medias at the Comics Pals. Uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And last but certainly not least, we are on YouTube where... We are trying to get to 100 subscribers, so help us out with that. Let us live our dream. Um, You can also leave a like, drop that comment down below, um, and uh, share the video with your friends. Let your friends know that we're out here and uh, that you like our show. If you don't like our show, let them know you don't like our show, and then send them the link and be like, wow, this show sucks. Listen to it. Yeah, (laughs) and then they'll listen to it, and then they'll say, wow, I agree. If enough people do that. Listen to how dumb these assholes sound. Yeah, it's great. Uh, all all uh, publicity is good publicity, right? So, um, 
I think it's time for a, a question. Oh, um, so would you say yes that uh, it's time for the random question of the week? That sounded like a struggle. It did sound like a struggle. <laughs> I'm, I'm sick, guys. 2017 is has taken everything from me, <laughs> even my voice. So uh, this week, uh, I mean yesterday, really, every comics journalism outlet or anyone who has an opinion on anything ever uh, has put out a list of their top 10 uh, comic books uh, of 2017. But Vice posted one this week uh, that I think we're going to talk about in the news. They, Whoever was writing this list for Vice couldn't come up with 10. And I'm not 100% sure they came up with books from 2017. It's such a shitty list. I have a challenge for you, pals. Give me 10 books that you haven't read that are your books for 2017. Oh, boy. That's loaded. 10 books that we haven't read. Okay. Yeah. So, I know this will be a tough one for Sean, I know, because he he goes out and he's he's a, a comic book store crawler. Yeah. I've read a lot. All right, number number one pick, Black Panther and the crew. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, so are we supposed to be picking good books that we haven't read? That's the goal here? Books, That's so the, yeah, so, so the idea here is like books that like you know would be books of 2017 that this shitty article missed. Oh, so you're saying we just have to off the top of our head pick yep. any – okay, great. So, okay, That's so for tough. me, so for me, because like this would be super easy for me, Mr. Miracle, Dark Knight's Metal, uh, <laughs> Snot Girl, uh, Headlopper, Black Hammer, Dr. Sherlock Frankenstein. Uh, okay, that's six. Let's see. <laughs> Batman by Tom King. No, I've read some Batman by Tom King. Oh, Not this year, though, did you? Oh, that's that's a good point. Okay, Batman by Tom King. I'll take it. <laughs> Super Sons. Uh, two more. Let's see. Got to be something from Marvel in there. Power oh. Rangers. No, I've read a ton of the Power Rangers. Um, I'm gonna take that one. Power Rangers. The uh, the <laughs> the uh, Immortal Iron Fist. I I love that this this random question is just a platform to Kale to outline the fact that he hasn't read any 2017 books. But also how mad he is at Vice. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> yeah. shitty trade waiter. I can't. Uh, and I'm still coming up with a better 2017 list than these fuckers. <laughs> There's a book out called Calixit. Calixit? Calixit. Yeah. Okay. That's number like 10. Calixit My number 10. My number 10. Uh, 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 God Country. Okay. All right. So I'm going to steal Power Rangers because that's a good one. Um, but... Uh, what is it? Four kids walk into a bank. We can never go home. That's a good book. Um, what's the other Black Mask book that I bought? Uh, oh, Space Riders. Ooh. Um, I love how you said before. There's got to be some Marvel in there, and I was trying to think about it. I'm just like, I don't know if there are. I know <laughs> any Marvel books that I really wanted to read this year. Oh, uh, what, uh, what's that? That one book that the Longbox Boys are always talking about. They really like uh, Deathstroke, right? That's that's supposed to be good this year. Okay. Tom King's Batman, actually. I haven't read any of the 2017 run, but I picked up uh, Date Night and um, the one before that this this week, so I'm excited to read those. 
Um, hmm, 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 hmm. Did he read the issues of uh, I Am Bane? Did you read that arc? Oh, did those come out in 2017? Shit. Okay, no. Oh, then I read those too. So we both cheated. So I can keep it? No. <laughs> um, oh, Wonder Woman by Greg Rucka. Uh, I haven't read any of that, but um, by all accounts is excellent. Uh, that puts me at seven. Um, oh, Doom Patrol. Um, oh, nice. Lobster Johnson. And um, what's what's that other book that I can never remember the title of from um, from Gerard Way? It's the the one with the crazy long title from Young Cave Animal. Cave Carson has a seven. Cave Carson. Guy. Thank you. Yep. There you go. That's my Solid. Ten. It's like it's like it's hard going out to a comic shop and buying good books vice <laughs> marco you want to go uh so i got revenger revenger plus the fog um wacky races oh that's a good one beowulf uh the unsound um packless winnebago graveyard Right. That's that's my reaction to that, Sean. Winnebago Graveyard, all right. The, well, I'm reacting that way because I could have sworn Marco read that because he plugged it a few times in the show. I thought I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna pick it up, and I, I they the place, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to, like, because I think there was like a signing or something, so I didn't get a chance to get it or something like that. So that's eight, Marco. Uh, uh, uh hold on, the Forever War, and the second volume of Mirror. Nice. Alright, uh, I'm going to say Doom Patrol. That's what I meant to read all, all year and I haven't. Um, it's good. Yeah, I will read it. I definitely will read it. Um, you should do it. Alright. <laughs> uh, Midnighter and Apollo. That's something else I wanted to read. Uh, mm. S- um, saga, I want to catch up on. I'm really behind on Saga. Um, the Mighty Thor by Jason Aaron. Um, Here's a Marvel book. Yeah, there you go. I hear it's really good. And uh, I don't read a lot of Marvel books in general. Black Hammer by Jeff Lemire. That's something else I really want to read. I thought Redland sounded good. Jordi Belair. It's okay. Is this okay? It's okay. How about, uh, I don't know. I think that's. Oh, uh, well, you know what? I want to read Super Sons. I haven't read that. I it's in my plugs, so I'll save it for when that comes up. There's a book in my uh, in my uh, in my uh, poll this week. It comes out in trade paperback this week, so that's one when we get there. So that's that's nine. You can't pull out one more. <sighs> Fuck. Uh, am I missing something? You're just as bad as Vice. Yeah, apparently. Am I missing something? I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, a random book. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> just something. Well, I'm asking you guys if there's something obvious I'm missing. 50 million books. Yeah, sure. I mean, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. I do want to read Cave Carson. Oh, The Wildstorm. There you go. I mentioned that before the show. I wanted to read that. So so this is pretty hard um, because most of the things that I want to read, I read or I've read an issue of or something. Uh, So I actually pulled up someone else's top 25 list uh, and... I'm just going to pick random books off this list that look interesting on the spot. Here we go. Uh, this is Pace Magazine, by the way. So, The Flintstones. Uh, sounds good. Hell yeah. Uh, Shade, The Changing Girl. Ooh, could be it's good. good. It's good. <laughs> Aliens, Dead Orbit. I like space. Um, <clears throat> oh, that was okay. 
God Country. Uh, Donny Cates wrote one issue of Doctor Strange that I thought was okay. Maybe this is good. Uh, four kids walk into a bank. I've heard about it. Amazing. It is good, yeah. Shoot. Uh, the Abominable Mr. Seabrook. I have no idea what this is, but the cover is somewhat interesting. Uh, so we're going to go with that. Actually, it is pretty interesting. It's a guy um, sweating profusely, staring at alcohol. Uh, so that's compelling. Hostage. I think this is six. This is a guy who's uh, in an apartment sleeping or laying chained to a radiator. With uh, weird food presented to him and dirty feet. That's the cover. nice. Got some. I'm with got that. some black snake moan in there. Yep. I was gonna say that. Oh man, I like it. Black Hammer, Doom Patrol. <sighs> my favorite thing is monsters. Uh, it's not my favorite thing, but I like that name. That's a good title. <laughs> oh, I heard. I heard this was be really good. Give me one more. All right. Let's see. Um, Make it a good one. Space Riders. Space Riders. Thank you. Yes. yes. Nailed it. I love space. So obviously, Zirat's art is just like insane. <laughs> obviously, the assertion that good books didn't come out in 2017 is utter bullshit. Vice, you should be embarrassed. <laughs> I'm blessed. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even try that hard. That was easy. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. So we didn't even name the books we read. <laughs> the fact that Paste Magazine could put out a list that is. 25 yeah, you said right double as long and then some uh and the, and the writer of this article well it's by the paste comics crew so i don't know who that is you know it's probably more than one person wait wait um, you said it's 25 right in the in the original they only had eight on the vice list yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So they came up with three times as many couldn't, yeah <laughs> couldn't even come up with 10 uh and the fact that they say that they had trouble chopping their list down to 25 is I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. This list is it's bullshit. It's like why would why even put it out? You know, you obviously don't like comics, you know. You you you're this is a snobby way of saying, "Hey, comics suck except for the ones that I like that you've probably never heard of." Uh, now that we've shit on Vice, which I have no problem with. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about um, our pals pulls for the week. Kale, Marco, and Pete. All chose exit stage left, Snagglepuss Chronicles number one. Kale, talk about it. So this is the another in the uh, sort of the landmark Hanna-Barbera line. Uh, it's about uh, the the old character Snagglepuss, but he's an he's an an aged gay Southern playwright. It's weird how that alone is enough to get me interested. It's weird. It seems weirdly appropriate for like his whole vibe, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm into it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know anything else about this book, but I'm in. Like, I don't. The uh, the the headline for me is that it's it's the same uh, writer behind the Flintstones. Yeah. So oh, this, this is this is his next project, and of the Hanna Barbera stuff, like the Flintstones was definitely the breakout um, property. Hmm. What was his name, Marco? Mark Russell. Mark Russell. Uh, all right. Well, was that all you had to say about that one, Kale? Yeah, that's that's it. I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. Should be good. Um, Marco and Pete chose Paper Girls number 19. Marco, you want to say some words about Paper Girl? Uh, yeah, me, uh, Pete and I, we plug it all the time. It's a 
great series uh, by Brian K. Vaughn and uh, drawn by Cliff Chang, who's awesome. Go pick it up. It's very much inspired by like the 80s. If you like Stranger Things, like pick it up. It's about a bunch of kids and like a wacky time displacement world and it, it's a fun ride absolutely and i think it's honestly uh it's a book that's good to jump onto now that it's a little more established because like um as great as some of the cliffhangers were like mark when i used to joke that it's it, it really seems like an exercise of how long can bkv string you along before he actually tells you something yeah. but now there's like there's a lot more there so if you just pick it up and catch up to 18 like um you know you'll i think you'll you'll be in for the ride Phil chose Captain Adam, The Fall and Rise of Captain Adam. So <clears throat> that's the other book in the uh, top 10 books I want to read that I had mentioned earlier. Uh, I don't think I've ever mentioned the show before, but Captain Adam was actually my favorite uh, superhero when I was like in high school. Uh, oh. I really, really liked um, his ongoing run from the 80s. I liked Captain Adam Armageddon when he crossed over in the Wildstorm universe in 2005. Um, that was my first exposure in the Wildstorm, which I had a soft sport in Infinity for as well. Um, this is by Carrie Bates, who was the original author of that 80s ongoing run, which uh, is one of my favorite ongoings ever published. Uh, it's something I've meant to read, but typically I'm a trade waiter like Kale. It's only recently that I started picking up weeklies uh, again, um, which I haven't done in oh, some time. But the trade paperback comes out this Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to pick it up and I'll report next week. If it's good, I have a uh, high expectations. Awesome. Uh, I actually look forward to hearing what you think about it. So definitely do. Uh, let's talk about it next week. Sounds good. Um, so from Pete, we've got the walking dead one seven five. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is an exciting one, you know, just because um, whenever walking dead hits a big landmark issue like this, it's usually, uh, you know, that there's going to be, a big shakeup uh, and the introduction of like a new storyline, um, which has been teased and they've been building to uh, for a bit now. So um, this is cool. You know, um, whenever Kirkman like does meaningfully try to shake things up, uh, it usually sets a new status quo for quite some time. Um, and uh, it's been a bit since that happened, really since the, um, well, I don't want to spoil anything in case, you know, you haven't read that far, but uh yeah, so this is this is going to be exciting. As a fan of The Walking Dead, getting to see it go in whatever this new direction is going to be is going to be interesting. And I have some theories about it that uh, I'll be interested to see if they come to fruition. Cool. And then you also picked Rat Queens. Yep. Um, Rat Queens is another book that I've talked about quite a bit. Um, I wanted to plug this one again, but I will uh, give the disclaimer that I plugged number six last time, bought it, and still haven't read it. Um, so... All right, uh, and then for me, Astonishing X-Men number seven. Uh, Astonishing X-Men number six had a massive um, uh, thing happen at the end. Um, you probably already know what it is, but I will refrain from spoilers. It's what the entire series has been building to, um, and I'm really excited to see that followed up on because what happens doesn't happen the way you think it does, so... Um, and then I'm also picking Phoenix Resurrection number two. Uh, so I read number one and, I, you know, I'm a massive, massive fan of the Phoenix. I love no character more than the Phoenix, Jean Grey. That's weird. Have we talked about this? Never in life. 
It's huh. a revelation, actually. Uh, it's a well-kept secret. Yeah. <laughs> 60 weeks in, you'd think, you'd think we'd know about this. That being said, though, uh, so the, the first issue is uh, interesting. It's not, it's not what I thought it was going to be. Uh, that's not bad. I'm actually still ruminating over it because it's compelling. It feels in the vein of, um, for the, you know, if you're a hardcore X Men fan, it feels like Messiah Complex and how that kind of the way that started. Um, in the sense that uh, there's a mystery that the X Men have to solve and they break up into teams to do so, uh, which is cool. You know, I like the dynamics of the characters. I think Matthew Rosenberg is a good writer, and I feel like he has the chops to carry this story through. Um, there's a rotating cast of artists, which I typically don't like. But the artists that they have laid out are powerhouses, so this could work out. Um, I'm I, I'm leaning towards I liked the issue, um, and I'm definitely looking forward to more. So Phoenix number two is my my pick for next. Nice. Um, and of course, if you want to send your pals pulls over our way. The easiest way to do that is to write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. So, now we're going to talk about Doomsday Clock number two. Uh, Hell yeah. That dropped this past Wednesday. uh, And it is very, very interesting. So, I just want to have an open floor conversation about the book. Um, And I want to start with Phil. Phil, what are your thoughts about Doomsday Clock number two? All right. First question before we do that. Are we just jumping right into spoilers? Yeah. Sp- full spoilers. If you haven't read it, you know, skip this part. We'll give you – we got time codes down below for you if you want to click past it. Yeah. So just be warned. We're just going to jump, jump right in and dump right into. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. This was a perplexing issue. I, I liked it, but at the same time, I'm curious about where it goes. Um, the ending where the comedian comes back, uh, that I had mixed, I had mixed feelings about it. Cause I don't know how to feel yet. I need to see what they do with it. I, I think the ending was, uh, decidedly controversial deliberately. I think Jeff Johns and Gary Frank knew that bringing back a character like the comedian who on his own merit is a controversial character for what he did in the Watchmen book. But, Bringing back at the end of issue two here, one, I mean, that's controversial. You're bringing back a character from a book that uh, where characters die for real. And two, we don't know why. So I'm really curious where they'll take that. Um, I really wanted to compliment the paneling of this book. There's that one page halfway through the issue uh, where Ozzy, Rorschach, Marionette, and Mime arrive into the DC universe and the owl ship emerges through the bat signal in the sky and is one of the Hell coolest yeah. three page spread, uh, three panel spread I've ever seen, uh, especially in a major event. Um, I liked Lex Luthor's interaction with Ozzy. It took 30 years for someone to tell Ozzy that his plan was stupid. <laughs> and Lex has that great line where he says, if you're the smartest person on your earth, I shudder to meet the dumbest person on your planet or something. And it was, very good. Yeah, he's like, I'd hate to meet the dumbest one. <laughs> um, I thought that was really good. And honestly, this was a bricklaying issue. This is one that, I mean, that was a big cliffhanger ending. This is an issue that is going to draw people to read issue three. Uh, 
because only now do we have these characters crossovering and interacting. So uh, I liked it. It's a contextual issue. Uh, a lot of it now depends on where they go from here. I'm really surprised that you didn't bring up the meeting between Rorschach and Batman. I thought you were going to cover that. That's why I let it, because I, I knew that'd be your shit. Cool, cool. Uh, Kale, you want to go ahead? Uh, for me, uh, this was this was an issue too. Yeah, like there, I like other than the Rorschach Batman thing. Like, there's just not a lot that's landmark to this issue. I think uh, the Lex Luthor Ozymandias thing was really good. Uh, the comedian uh being reintroduced is, you know, uh, it was an interesting twist that you know I I didn't see coming. Um, what what I what I will say about this issue that I think I can definitively feel on the first read is is that it, this this series is obviously going to take turns that we didn't quite expect. Like I didn't I didn't really expect to see anyone other than Superman from from main DC continuity. And now they you know they've they've traveled from a different universe or whatever and they're being introduced to other people. Which makes total sense. Uh but I I I guess I I, th- I thought they were going to write these characters into canon. You know, uh, so, so that, that was interesting and I'm excited to see, you know, where else it goes. Cool. Marco. I agreed with Phil uh, on a lot of his points, uh, specifically about the ending, uh, with, uh, the comedian coming back, uh, came off as very comic booky, which was unappealing to me. Um, (laughs) but like, it's always it always sucks when comic books do things that happen in comics. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I want is my comic books to be comic booky. Yeah, who wants that? What well, superhero comic booky? Oh, there it is. Mm, yeah. Superhero <laughs> comics are all bad, yeah. Continue. Triggered. <laughs> um but yeah, I thought it was like I said, it was it was an issue too. It set up um the base for obviously what's gonna happen in the next issue and where the larger story goes. The art was on point. Uh the paneling was really cool, especially the last page. Um I really thought like the injection of uh or at least the constant like injecting of the like the Rorschach panels into each thing and then especially in the last page, like where it was positioned and everything, uh that was really strong. The split between the uh the the Rorschach and Batman at the bottom, like it was really, really solid stuff. Yeah. Can I piggyback on that thought? Yes. All the Rorschach tests throughout the issue. Because it tied together yeah. in the last page. It was a really great visual theme. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh the, it was the motif that was like running along through the through the story. It was executed well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. Man, so I I am way hotter on this issue than any of you guys. Um I yeah, yeah, it's a building issue. It was an issue too, but like I there's a lot of just craft stuff here that really impressed me. You know, like the art is good, the story is good, but I think like the theming here is like really impressive to me. Like how they managed to like continually reinforce what I think are going to be the themes of the broader story through both the art and the dialogue, and then when they come together. 
You know, um, I think like, obviously this is an incredible creative team, but like, I, I'm really impressed with some of the little things that they're doing, you know, not like, yeah, like Batman and Rorschach meeting is awesome. Right. But like, it's, it's the little stuff that really made this issue like land for me more so than that. Um, to talk about the art specifically though, I think, um, I believe it was three full pages of the, the nine panel layout. From the moment we see Rorschach eat Batman's breakfast until they're like kind of final, like, or their first meeting or whatever. Um, that and just some of the little, like, stylistic choices that are being made with the art. Like, I think, um, Isaac said this last week. Uh, one of the things that I'm really appreciating is how it feels like it's an echo of of Gibbons art, not like it's trying to ape it. Like there are definitely like visual callbacks to his style, but it doesn't feel like it's like, let's try to do Dave Gibbons style. And that is like, that's the kind of like subtle nods to Watchmen that like, I like that they're making. And um, it's this stuff like the, um, I, I agreed that the, the return of the comedian was something that like kind of, that didn't excite me. Like, that was like a, okay, how do they answer this question in a way that is satisfying to me now? And that's fine, because I have faith that um, they did it for a reason. You know, I don't think they're doing it just to bring him back. But uh, that being said, that that was kind of the one stick-out moment to me of, like, something that felt a little out of the rest of the issue, which is probably good, because it's kind of setting up the next one. But, um... I, uh, I thought that there was uh, one scene in particular that, that I thought really, really worked for me was I really liked the scene of um, that Phil uh, pointed out where there's the transition from them from the Watchmen universe to the DC universe. And I really liked uh, the scene with the crowd um, and the whole like the nukes coming and there's like the little point point outs to the, uh, you know, the classic Superman lines and stuff like that. Look up in the sky um, right as they come into the DCU and we get that awesome shot of the bat signal. Like, I, there's just, like, that is such a cool way to show the marriage of these two universes, right? That there are echoes of each other in each of them and that now they're coming together throughout this story. And, like, I, I love those moments in this issue, you know? And I think it has a lot of those that, that were really strong. Um, and I think the other thing that just stood out to me was I really liked, uh, again, how I think the beginning of the issue focused on Marionette, um, more than almost any other character. And that's cool because she's a new character. Like, I like that this book doesn't feel obsessed with the past, you know, um, that to me is what stood out about issue number one. And the fact that we continue down that road here uh, is really important to me, you know, is that I, I want them to be doing new things in this universe and like there to be a reason that we're bringing these characters back, not just to rehash old stuff. Um, and and I, that's what Johns is doing. Uh, so, yeah, overall, um, I, I really thought this was a great issue. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, it, it really got me excited for for what's going to happen in number three and how they're going to answer um, not necessarily the problems that I'm having, but like the the burning questions that I'm having now, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I really love this issue. Uh, 
I thought it was brilliant. Um, from top to bottom, the comedian coming back. I mean, first of all, I love that the way they brought him back is him coming for Ozymandias. You know, like that's so, you know, poetic in some ways, just generally interesting. Um, I thought that the way that Rorschach and Batman met was just so, so fantastic. Two sides of the same coin, right? That like, Except they're not symmetrical. And they're standing in front of the giant penny in the Batcave. Like- the panel is divided so that that penny is not symmetrical because both sides are not the same. I like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. You know, you know what that moment felt like? It felt like... Um, in in uh, Green Lantern Rebirth, uh, when Kyle Rayner and Hal Jordan like actually meet for the first time, it's such like an understated moment, but it's such a big moment, like because like these are two forces of the universe like meeting. And I I like that I like that their first interaction isn't because like what what did John say I'm not doing this so we can make Batman and Rorschach fight in a dark alleyway like I like that their first interaction is like there's humor in it you know like yeah the first thing Batman says to him isn't who are you what are you doing in the he goes you ate my breakfast like that's funny like and that's that's not something that I would like expect for that first interaction between these two legendary characters who are constantly have parallels drawn between them for good reason you know like it, and it was so cool to see it that way so it's just different um i mean honestly this this was just so well done there are so many hints i think a lot more in this that hints towards the future than what people may have picked up uh for example, we have a better clue as to who Rorschach is, who this Rorschach Reggie. is. Yeah, because Re- Reggie was mentioned. And then um, the first thing that he does when he wakes up after the crash is he tries to kill uh, Adrian. And so that made me question, why Why is he so angry? And what I came up with is that he's probably angry because... Uh, the monster attack in New York probably killed his parents. And his father is probably that doctor from Watchmen 1, the psychologist. Ooh. Oh. Holy shit. I could see that. I yeah. see. I, I'm also leaning toward him being the kid at the newspaper stand. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. That kid's dead, right? I'm pretty sure he's oh, dead. Oh, yeah, he died. No, he died. Yeah. Well, he, with, he uh, was in the newspaper guy. He was in the the epicenter, for sure. Uh, but he was also covered up by the the newspaper lady. There's a, There are a lot of theories man? that he's that kid, yeah. No, it's a lady. No, you're right. There was a newspaper man, but he was covered up by a lady. I don't remember who the lady was. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, but I, So that's my theory. And... Uh, um, I just I love that they're planting seeds. They're not giving it all away with that. That's really uh, really cool. Um, and then also uh, something that I'm su- I'm shocked none of you mentioned was that the way they get to the DC universe is that they use the owl that um, Ozzy has sort of um, you know messed with to follow Doctor Manhattan, and that's where it takes them. So. That uh, that leads 
me to believe that Dr. Manhattan is 1000% within the DC universe currently. And the question is, is he posing as someone else? Is he posing as another hero? Well, that's the theory is that, ready folks, this is going to blow Kale's mind. Good luck. He is Superman's son, John Kent. Fuck. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, that, I hadn't thought of that. That's really interesting. They're both named John. Shit. Yeah, that's interesting. I was going to say, what if he's this, the silver Superman, but that actually maybe makes more sense. So just a thought. Keep that in mind, folks. I tell you what, man, I I miss Jeff Johns at his best, and this is clearly shaping up to be some really good shit. Yeah, I'm really, really interested to see where they go with it. Yep. Uh... I I thought it was a brilliant issue. So. I was very mad. I had to throw the issue when Norshak ate his breakfast. I said, no, no one eats Bruce's breakfast. God damn I, it. I, I, def- I definitely went, oh, no, Rorschach. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually like the way the, uh, the the mask is patterned when he sees the breakfast. Like, the mask makes it look like he has a big, goofy smile on his face. He's like, ooh. <laughs> I like how when they see him looking around the room before he finds the thing to the cave, he still has syrup on his mouth. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about Doomsday Clock again uh, when the third issue drops. Um, obviously, we're all still uh, we're all still invested, right? Everybody's still into it. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe more than I was before for sure. Marco, yeah, cool. Uh, so real quick before we jump into the news, I did want to uh, talk about. Dark Knight's Metal, number four. Uh, I know that um, Phil and I are the only two that are reading that, but uh, Phil's really gung-ho about it, and I am too. So let's just have like a real brief sort of talk about that uh, that issue, because I know that it was, it, I mean, a lot happened. Yeah, I, I I was saying to Sean, but honestly, that might be my issue of the year. I was really impressed by it. I thought this is among the best things Scott Snyder's ever written. Uh, I like how heady it is. I like... I like when creators delve real deep into the meta shit with, with comics and reality. One thing where an issue, it's been two weeks since I read it, but trying to get Batman back, Superman is like telling him to like, think about something positive. And Bruce mentions how his sons give him wonder. And it's just poetic because the Robins give wonder to Bruce and Robin is the boy wonder. Uh, and then I just thought about the analogy behind the dark multiverse. It's an analogy to uh, the creative process behind pitching stories. Pitches that fail to go through end up being destroyed, while ones that are accepted and eventually released rise above and join the rest of the positive multiverse. The Forger is like the editor. Huh. And I just read that, and I was like, oh my god, this is some Final Crisis shit. That's interesting. Man, uh, you you amaze me. <laughs> um, you got so much more out of this issue than I did, man. I enjoyed it for what it was, for what I took from it on the surface. But I, for whatever reason, uh, I knew I knew that there was more to it than what I was getting out of it. But it just, I just wasn't picking it up. There's something about the way that Scott Snyder writes sort of epic larger than, you know, street level or just, you know, larger than like Batman stories or some of his horror stuff. When he writes things with a bigger scope, he loses me in terms of his writing style. And while I thought the issue was good and I liked what happened, the 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 dialogue, the verbiage bothered me. Did it? Yeah. Um because it feels like he's trying so hard to get 
to a certain style. He's trying to get to that Grant Morrison <laughs> epic style, and no one can do that like Grant. That's true, and I mean, there's that's a very common criticism levied at him since day one. Because even if you listen to his longer interviews from circa 2011, 2012, he always talks about the heavy themes. Like there's a great interview with him on Kevin Smith's podcast from back then, where he uh, talks about um, the uh, Court of Owls. And he's going into the heavy symbolism behind what Gotham means to Bruce Wayne as a character and stuff. And uh, I remember around that time, people were levying the same kind of criticisms toward him, where it's like, you're trying too hard to do something that you're not good at. Uh, To me, Dark Knight Metals has been really, I, I think he's been landing what he's been attempting to do. But my constant criticism of him as a writer is that he usually struggles to land the climax of a story. So as much as I'm enjoying these first four issues, I, I think the larger judgment of the quality of the book will be when we get to the final two or three issues. How long is the series? I think it's eight or 12 issues. 12. Uh, I think it's eight. I'll, I'll, I'll double check now, but I think, yeah, I think eight is correct. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, it's good. You know, it, it's definitely good. Um, it's six issues, by the way. Oh, shit. Uh, so we're almost done. Yeah. And that was actually because I thought it was I personally thought it was five issues. Um, and so when I was reading this, I was thinking to myself, man, that there's too much here. I wish it was decompressed. Uh, I'm having trouble keeping up with everything, especially with the tie ins. Are you reading those? I've read most of the Joker uh, the most of the uh, Dark Batman issues. Okay, the, the 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 Hawkman found Batman lost. Those are really important, and they throw monkey wrenches into this that have my mind just going crazy, like my head spinning from this. And uh, it feels like it's too much. I feel like I feel the same way I felt when I read Final Crisis, um, in the sense that I just didn't know what the hell was going on. And it's weird because I've kept up with everything. I understand every plot thread because I've been reading Batman for 10 years, but I'm still lost. And that's a weird way to feel when you're that hooked in. I'll read those two tie-ins and report how I feel. Um, I'm curious now. Yeah. Uh, I really like it so far. It's, it's one of my favorite books of the year. You should read the tie-ins and then you guys could talk about it after issue five comes out. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. So let's jump into the news. Uh, let's start by saying a happy belated birthday to, to Mr. No. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yes to you, but also to Stan Lee. Yay. Oh, to me, to Mr. Old Man Stan. Stan, how does it feel to be another year older? Ah, you know how it goes, kids. It's just another. I'm, I'm out here working. That's all that's important to me. Age is just a number. It's all about how you feel and how many <laughs> legendary superheroes that you have created. Thanks, Dad. Alone, of course. All right, how? I'll see you guys next year. Oh, no, I had a question. Oh, oh. wait, I'm back. What's up? <laughs> how, so I'm wondering, I've seen you at uh, cons recently. How does it feel to be able to now fold your body over like a piece of paper? Uh <laughs> Completely. Like, is it? Is there like a crease in your back? He's like, like sail cat. 
Well, uh, you see, Kale, uh, the reason that I was able to write so many classic superheroes is because I myself actually moonlighted as a superhero uh, at some point in the uh, in the '60s because of my incredible powers. Well, everyone was a superhero in the '60s, yeah. Did you treat it with great responsibility, Mister Lee? Yes, of course. All right, so I'm gonna get out of here and let Sean finish. All right, see you, Stan. All right, bye-bye. <laughs> uh, so Stan Lee has turned 95 years old which is uh, quite the milestone. Um, but unfortunately, he's spending the day, the days after his 95th birthday um, in a, an interesting legal place because he has reported $300,000 have been stolen from his bank account. Uh, so this is, this is an article from comicbook.com. Uh, which talks about this incident. Um, the check drafted on October 4th and noted for a loan by the memo was paid to Lee's charity, Hands of Respect. The check bears Lee's apparent forged signature. Lee is adamant he didn't write the check or request the funds to be taken from his account. Uh, so I'm not sure what's going on here, to be honest. I'm... My immediate thought was, what kind of scheme is he going at here? Uh, to be honest, that was my immediate thought. What what game is he playing? Think um, Stan Lee's scheming? I I hope I'm wrong, but scheming know, Stan. <laughs> I, I don't know what to think about that, but uh, hopefully you find your money soon, Stan. My my well, first of all, happy birthday. Uh, but my, my, my thought there was also like, I was like, he's adamant he didn't do it, but it's like, he's getting up there, man. Like, what if he did it? And then he just forgot. <laughs> Dementia, you yeah. unscathedly whore. He's 95. <laughs> well, the kind of nice thing is that if he gets caught, he could just say, Hey, I don't remember that. Yeah. And it's believable. Yeah. Cause he's old. I'm sure. It's I like, mean, that, that's what you should do when you're old, right? Just try and get away with shit. Like, yeah, absolutely. Why not? I don't know. I was like, I have a hard time feeling he would like embezzle three hundred thousand dollars from himself. It's just like I feel like he could do better than that, right? Like, go big or go home. Like, you got you got to have at least a mill in the bank, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. The fact that he keeps getting rolled out to these comic cons, I'm not sure if he's doing it for the love of the money. You know? Um, well, everyone. I mean, there's a. It's a very common criticism of Stanley that uh, he does everything for money. And, and that's going back a few years. 40 years. It's just strange that at 95, <laughs> he's still, you know, concerned with money in that way. But uh, I, I, I want to ask a question, but it's, it's a little uh, it's a little dark. Um, do you guys think that uh, we celebrate Stan's 96th birthday? That is a dark fucking question. I I, I think know. so. Yeah, it's it's hard to say, but I think so. I mean, like he like at his age, he could just die like at any time, like, and it wouldn't be a surprise. But in the same breath, it's like he seems like he's still with it. You know, he's yeah. still able to walk. Like he he seems like he's still in like generally good health for his age. So that that said, his wife died not that long ago. And, like, I mean, that could be, I mean, once you lose a, a partner like yeah. that, like, yeah. stuff like losing three, you know, 300K kind of starts to happen. It took my, my grandpa, after my grandma died, not to get sad, but it took him, like, 
10 years to finally kick it after she died and he was worse you know a lot worse off and nobody even knew so yeah and that's that's totally plausible too um just i guess hearing him talk about it like how he's still working you know that like he still has things going on um leads me to believe that like he's still you know in decent health but i i think that's that's a really salient point kale that like maybe maybe we're starting to see the beginning of the decline here Hmm. (laughs) i hope uh, I hope that's not the case, but yeah, I hope for the best yeah. for him. I hope he finds his money. I don't really care to speculate on that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, no. yeah, fair enough. I will say though, if he did, if he did do this, like if this was a scheme, that would be fucking hilarious. Like I wouldn't even be mad. I would just laugh my fucking ass off. <laughs> fucking scheme and stand. Uh, you know, lots of people want to create comics. A couple people on this panel on this uh, podcast want to create comics, and Marvel. Wants to help you do that. They want you <gasps> to create comics. Um, and so, uh, in a press release, Marvel announced Create Your Own, which is a new sort of platform that allows fans to create their own comics um, using Marvel's characters and just sort of stock background uh, images. So, it's not out yet. Uh, they did release a trailer that showcases how it would work in a general sense. Um, and it's fine. You know, this is, this is akin to, you know, like coloring books of old where it would just be a, you know, a character with just a general background and you just color him in. Or even, uh, I remember in some of the earlier days of the internet, they had things like that where you could just drag a character of your choice in a different pose and put them on a background and you could kind of like make it look like they were fighting. What was that? Uh, what was that Spider-Man one based on the cartoon? I know I brought it I up when that. we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we talked about the uh, our favorite video games, it yeah. was the Spider-Man character creator or something cartoon, yeah, something like called, that. But yeah, um, so it's very reminiscent of that, right? Um, but you can add your dialogue, which is cool, and and things like that. So you know, there's a lot there. I could see this being a lot of fun for some people. However, uh when we look past all that and we get to the legal stuff, um, there are some interesting things about what you can and cannot do with your characters, um, or I should say with their characters. So here's the list of things that Marvel does not want you to do. Content that could frighten or upset young children or the parents of young children. Fuck, I'm screwed. Yep. Prescription drugs or over-the-counter medication, vitamins, and dietary supplements. So ibuprofen what? is Spider-Man better never get a headache. Um, <laughs> can't take oh, that like, I can't make my anti-addiction Spider-Man comic. No. Uh, contraceptives. <laughs> Fuck. So God don't practice it. safe sex. Uh, suggestive Absence or works. revealing images including bare midriffs. Wow. So uh, <laughs> various uh, characters are eliminated from that equation, including uh, Mary Jane. Mary Gambit? Jane. Uh, no, not Gambit. Solid <laughs> 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 joke. I mean, probably. Can you just imagine Gambit in like a little, it's the exact same outfit, but he just has a belly shirt? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a Chris Anka Gambit. Like, that's his whole jam. Uh,. <laughs> sensationalism which is not defined <laughs> sensationalism <laughs> but this is the best part 
is but but they give examples like killer bees, gossip, <laughs> aliens, <laughs> scandal. <laughs> aliens. My favorite one there is scandal. What is like? What is scandal? It's the you, general idea of something scandalous taking place. Like, but wait, the other things were killer bees and aliens. There are aliens who are Marvel characters who would be eliminated from the equation. I don't understand what that means. And what like killer bees? What is that? Oh, They're God. deadly. Uh, obscenity. They are though. That's a real thing. Obs- That's okay. Obscenity, bad or offensive language. Or proxies for offensive language. So, like, when they do, you know, the different symbols. At to, dollar sign, uh, dollar yeah. sign. Yeah. No, none of that, guys. You can't oh, get around come it. come on. Um, noises. So, no Deadpool comics. Noises. It's my favorite one. <laughs> noises related to bodily functions. Yeah. <laughs> so, you can't make fart jokes? This one is uh, interesting. No mm-hmm. politics, including alternative lifestyle advocacies. <laughs> wow. No gay people in your Marvel comics. We don't want any queers in our Marvel comics, huh? That's real diverse. Yeah, I haven't canceling heard Iceman. I haven't <laughs> heard uh, being gay <laughs> referred to as an alternative lifestyle since like at least 10 years ago. That's, that's like very like 2006. Yeah, that's very old language, and I don't know why they use it here. Uh, death? No death. Well, uh, that's my favorite part. character. Are you so we can't we can't write about death or fucking? That's literally the two major themes in superhero comics. And Pete superhero comics. <laughs> that's uh, the theme of saga. <laughs> misleading language. <laughs> that's one of them. Misleading language. I don't know what that means. So no, so no jokes. Um, yeah, Pete, you're done. A, 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 <laughs> a copy or parody of current or past Marvel advertising creative. That's random. Uh, any controversial topics, including social issues. So don't talk about police brutality. Um, double entendres. Uh, <laughs> any amusement parks that aren't Disney amusement parks. So you better not talk about Universal. I mean, <laughs> no, that one, that no one makes sense. No Six Flags. Yeah, that's fine. Any movie studios that aren't affiliated with Marvel. And guns. Now, the one, the last one, guns, really, really shocks me because that eliminates at least five people that I can think of right now off the top of my head. At least. One of them is Marvel's, in their top three most popular characters, Deadpool. No guns for Deadpool. Black Widow, one of the Avengers. I mean, look, Black Widow, uh, Deadpool, Winter Soldier, The Punisher. Oh, you know, Sean, you forgot to mention, actually, it says here on the bottom of the fine print that if you want to make this comic for yourself, you need to read Frederick Wortham's Seduction of the Innocent because the comic book authority, the uh, comic book code authority is back. I feel like uh, there's like a little there's got in very small print somewhere. It's like, okay, basically, you're not allowed to create any kind of comic that anyone would enjoy for any reason. Well, right. Like, so this seems like it seems like a a kid's machine, like something to get kids into comics. Right. Uh Which. Yeah. And that's you know, that's fine. It's just weird that they're taking steps to tell you exactly what they won't let you do 
and including things that happen in Marvel comics. Not even like R-rated comics or M-rated comics, just regular everyday comics that any child could go in and buy. That you know, it's it's very an odd. List. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make a comic for our listeners based off these regular like these guides and regulations. I think it will probably turn out really funny. So. I want a comic that has all of these. <laughs> here's uh here's a problem with that. And correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. I don't think you can share these either. You, yeah. From what I read, and maybe I'm wrong, but what I read was that you can't share them. Then what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. What's the point? And then how could they even enforce these rules? Because I'm sure people will still post them. Yeah, they got that Disney money now. They're probably just shoveling it out, getting new people on, uh, you know, moderators and. I don't know. This is weird. It's very, yeah, it's very, very, very odd. Um, so that's Marvel ending the year very strong. So moving right along, uh, we got a little short one minute teaser trailer for the Black Lightning series, which is going to premiere January 16th on the CW. Uh, I thought this looked really cool. It reminded me of Luke Cage in a lot of ways. But it wasn't, it, I wouldn't say it was aping that style. It just had, it just was sort of reminiscent and not because the characters are black. Um, the main villain, who I'm not clear on who that is, I don't, I'm not a, I don't follow Black Lightning, um, but that character reminded me a lot of, um, uh, gosh, the, the, the villain from Luke Cage, the last villain, the main. Oh, Diamondback? Thank you. He reminded me of Diamondback. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought this looked really cool. Uh, I, I can guarantee you I won't watch it, <laughs> but I like what I'm seeing anyway. I like, I like the, like how it, how it seems like it's going to play with religious themes. Um, a lot, most superhero media doesn't really do that. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what that comes down to and, like if it'll be a uh you know uh an ongoing thing or if it'll be just a a confidence building scenario you know he's also presented as you know we've never seen a hero like this in terms of on screen you know he's a he mentions that he's a he he'd been a teacher at some point um he seems like a very kind of normal man who's just kind of like a professor um you know super intelligent doing his thing um, who is imbued with these powers, and I can imagine all of the ways that there are interesting angles to take with something like that. And they present one in the trailer, like what you mentioned, Kale. So, um, yeah, I think that they've got a great hook here for this show, and I hope that people watch it. Well, if you want people to watch it, you should watch it too. You're absolutely right. Uh, when does this air? January 16th. What is that? It's a Tuesday. I'm out. <laughs> I've got to I've got to wash my hair. So. You're like, Whoops. Smackdown's on. I can't miss that. There you go. Just watch it time shifted, man. Watch on the CW app or CW whatever. App. Please. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'd like to quickly check in with one of our favorite creators of the year, uh that being Tom King, who has spoken about the Sheriff of Babylon season two that was promised and has not been yes. yet delivered. Uh, so in an interview with comicbook.com, uh, 
Tom King had some words to say about this when asked if and when we would see the Sheriff of Babylon Season 2. Uh, if, if and when we would see the release of Sheriff of Babylon Season 2. I wrote it. It's done. It's in the bag. In my opinion, no one should work on Sheriff that's not named Mitch Jarrett's. Um, I'm working on Mr. Miracle with him right now. We'll see how that goes. Maybe he'll be too popular an artist and he'll just want to do Batman or Wolverine or something. It's up to Mitch because it's written, but nobody will ever draw a page except for Mitch. Um, and then he, he does mention, um, when asked what the collaboration between those two is like, he said, it's like working with a net. I know that no matter what I do, Mitch will catch me and he'll make my words into something great. I just hope they keep working together. Like, obviously, I want Sheriff of Babylon 2. Um, that would be fucking incredible. But, like, if we never got it, that would be okay. Like, I think that's a perfect, complete story. And I just hope we keep seeing more work from these guys together because they do great work. Yeah, I'm ready for more. Yeah. I'm also ready for more. But I agree with Pete that if they don't do more, it feels like they said they said it all with the, with that uh, yeah. that first um, season, if you will. I'm Yeah. Like that's a that's one of the best comics I've ever read, period. And like I'm so ready for more, but we certainly don't need it. Yeah. Um so that definitely I, I would imagine they would be the best sort of or I guess not guaranteed, but in my mind, the best creative duo of twenty seventeen. Yeah, for sure. It's arguable. I mean it's you know, but I, I think they're up there at the very least. Yeah. Well yeah, there's no no c- no question that they're not in the conversation for number one, if not number one. Well, yeah. number one, obviously, is is me and Letty, so. <laughs> the dynamic duo. Yeah. Now, Action Comics 1000, the hardcover edition, will be a $50 release. Get the fuck out my mentions, DC. No way. Let me provide some clarity because a lot of people are confused and they were confused when it was originally announced and they're confused now that it's 50 bucks action comics 1000 stands on its own as a regular you know however many pages it's going to be i'm sure it'll be extended a little bit but it's not this action comics 1000 is a regular issue of action comics um this the hardcover is it includes that issue but it also has a ton of other content um, that, that pads it to, to create the, the price tag. Um, it's got, uh, uh, different creators talking about, uh, Superman. It's got, um, rarely, uh, never before seen content. Um, different stories written by various different creative teams. Uh, so there's a lot of meat there. And that's cool. And at $30, I was a shoe in to buy this. Yeah. Um, yep. But, Apparently, now, they've upped the price by 20 bucks and are only giving uh, comic book stores uh, a short amount of time to decide whether or not uh, – in fact, they have until the 8th of January to adjust and decide how many of these they want to order if they want to order it at all. If they don't adjust, then they get it at the $50 tag. Uh, so, this doesn't feel like a really great move for anyone except – Hardcore collectors. It's a bad look. Uh, yeah, even even hardcore collectors, this is a shitty move for. Like, $50 right now isn't easy to come up with, period. And I can't imagine that people who actually collect comic books are going to have that kind of money just laying around for this. 
I also can't imagine that it's worth $50. Like, I, a lot of people freaked out about the $30 price point, and we, like, defended them. Like, of, like, you can get the regular issue, this is an extra thing. Like, $30 isn't unreasonable to ask for a, a quality hardcover comic book. Like, that's a reasonable price. $50? And especially for number 1,000. Like, that's a big deal. Sure. And, and, like, it probably should have been a little cheaper than $30 even. But, like, $30, I was like, okay, like, that yeah. seems reasonable for what they're offering. $50 is, like, it's a lot of money. Trade paperbacks get released all the time at a $30 price point. When it's an event or when it's something special, that's not Right. Weird. It's not unheard of. And, like, yeah, there are $50 trades of, like, big-ass collections. But, like, for one thing, like... It just seems like, and I get it, it's limited. It's a collector's edition. It's not for everyone, but like, it just, it seems like a fucking low blow to the LCSs. And it feels like a fuck you to the fans when we were already like, we got a price point and now you're just jacking it up. Like, why? And yeah, and all of a sudden. Yeah. And like, especially when there was all the drama about lenticular covers earlier this year, it's just like, it feels like a tone deaf move. Phil, you're the big Superman guy. Uh, is this something that you would buy? Under normal circumstances, I would be really interested in something like this. I um, I typically gravitate toward Superman collectible memorabilia in general. Um, honestly, I mean, when we when we talked about the special content that was inside this one thousand dollar. This $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> well no, that's, be $1, that's $1, next $1, week, Phil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this 1,000th issue. Because uh, there was, like, special other issues in there that were mentioned. Like, Jeff Johns had, like, a, a some kind of story that was going to be published in this. Uh, I was intrigued. Um, on, the fa- on face value, $50 is too much. Um, even for my blood. They'd have to up the ante a little bit more for me to be really interested if this was a Batman hardcover and it was fifty dollars, I would buy it. That doesn't mean that that has more value. That doesn't mean that that's a better deal. It's still not cool to charge that much in my eyes, but I would buy it because it's Batman. If, if it was someone other than Dan Jurgens writing the that issue, that too, that too. The initial issue is written by someone that I, you know, not terribly interested in their work. Uh, so I just. I don't know what DC's thinking here. Like it'd be like it'd be like James Tinian writing that one thousandth issue of Batman. I'd be like, uh Do you think we see uh and this this is wild speculation, but do you think we see like maybe the first Bendis issue or storyline in there and they're having to pay the the fee to get him you know, to break his Marvel contract for whenever he did it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's writing Superman taking over for Peter Tomasi, not for Gergens. Okay. So you, you go ahead, kill. I was going to say like, like, yeah, but like, this is the thousandth issue of, you know, Superman that they're, you know, or, or action comics. So I, you know, so my question is, do you think he's in there as like a commemorative, you know, uh, voice. I bet he know, talks about it. Probably Superman not. fan. I bet he talks about it. Like I bet there's like an interview. I I don't think that his first issue will appear in there because I think that 
they have, there's a lot more money to be gained by publishing that as a separate thing that everyone has, you know, at a price point that everyone has access to. I also don't think he could legally do that. Um, I also feel like that doesn't make much sense. Like if we're if the whole thing is about celebrating the history of Superman, we're going to put a story in from a Marvel writer who's never written for Superman before. Like it just I don't know that that's like tonally appropriate for what it feels like this issue is. Well, you to, know? to Kale's point, that would be a hook. Mm. It would be a hook. And, and and most people aren't buying it. It's limited release and um it's it's more like a teaser. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not like a Marvel writer wouldn't have a Superman story in his back pocket. Sure. I just mean like if the whole point of it is like, oh, it's this landmark thousandth issue and we have all these interviews with like creators who have done these relevant runs on Superman and then it's like and also Bendis. It's just it, it, you know what I mean? Like I, I see what you're saying. But I just I don't know that I don't know that that feels like it to me that it fits the message that they pitched us. I mean, neither does a fifty dollar price point. That's true. I mean, I mean, let's face it though. Bendis is one of the largest writers in the history of the industry. He's about to write the character. I think that's symbolic because it's like the character, the yeah. man who's about yeah. to write the book, is going to be is right is writing about the character in the one thousandth issue, which is a landmark in the comic book industry for the oldest character. I can see it. I I I want to point out because we're talking about you know, Bendis writing Superman. Uh, so Bleeding Cool published an article about uh, what they've heard is Bendis's first book, which is a Superman title uh, with Ivan Reese and Joe Prado. Now, that is not that is not anything that DC has commented on. DC hasn't released any solicitation. They haven't talked about that being the case. There's mm-hmm. no basis for this other than... Um, Bleeding Cool reporting it and Rich Johnson reporting it. Now, of course, they've broken plenty of stories in the past. I'm not automatically thinking that this is not true, um, but that's what they're reporting. Is is that where that story came from? I thought it was confirmed that he was doing Superman. No. No. Oh. There's no DC has not spoken anywhere about this. Yeah, I, I think the reason it's being taken as gospel is because of where and who it's coming from is because like Bleeding Cool does break this kind of stuff all the time. In fact, I'll read directly from the article just to um, you know, elucidate my point. I am told from sources spinning out of a recent Brazilian comic convention that Brian Bendis first announced most prominent title with the publisher will be the Superman ongoing book with Brazilian artists Ivan Reese and Joe Prado on art best known for their work with Jeff Johns on Green Lantern, Blackest Night, Brightest Day, Justice League, and Aquaman. So this is this is just what Rich has heard. Um, now let's let's address that on its face. Is that something that you guys? are into if that is true are you into that do i want the family guy of comic book writers writing my favorite superhero <laughs> nah not really Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so i i almost i almost hope it's like honestly i'm excited for this because it's a win-win for me because if it's bad i can rub phil's big fucking dumb nose in it and if it's good i can also rub Feels big dumb nose in it. So <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I I am interested. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll pick it up because it's Bendis at DC. Uh, whatever it is, yeah, I'm very interested in that. Uh, but I I I could see him with a good Superman story. Like I would be 
I would be here for it. And the uh, uh, the Ivan Reese matchup with that, I think, is gold. Like, I think he's a great artist. I think that's a very good choice. I'm a big fan of both of those artists and all the work that they listed right there that they've done with Johns. Uh, I loved, and their art is a big reason why. I don't think, I mean, there are very few artists you could choose to pair with Bendis that would be better suited than them. Uh, obviously, you know, you could name people like Jim Lee, but Jim Lee's sitting in that ivory tower. He don't come down that often. Um, nor, nor should he really. I mean, you know, he's doing he, what the work he's doing is great. Um, and so for my money, you know, doesn't get much bigger at DC artist wise than these two. I believe that Bendis has. A, I mean, look, the part of the reason why he decided to do this, to leave Marvel, is because he, he had a story he needed to tell with Superman. That's confirmed. He's talked about that. So, with that being the case, there's no question in my mind that he's going to write Superman. And it would make total sense to me that he would start there. And on top of that, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's going to be not good, great. Because I think that Bendis has the potential still for great stories when he really cares. I agree. And I also think that if, like, if we see the transition of Bendis working at Marvel and doing all of the stuff he's doing at Marvel to being like, I'm going to take a breather and do this one Superman story that I am dying to tell, like, that sounds attractive to me. The idea of him doing one book and really, really focusing on it for, you know... for however long it takes, right? Um, that sounds great. And I, I'd like to see him have a little bit more room to breathe and like do like a maxi series instead of four monthlies, you know, like, yeah, like that sounds great. And, um, you know, say what you will about Bendis, like at his, at his peak, he does great work. And, uh, I hope you're right, Sean, because I would love to see him prove all the fucking hater ass haters like Phil wrong. <laughs> Freeze frame. Uh, yep. That's me. Kal-El. Kal-El of earth. No one calls me that. I'm Superman. Father. Husband. My life is about to get flipped, turned right upside down. That's Bendis's first panel. No, I'm sorry. That's his first page. No, that's his first panel. Yeah, that's his first panel. <laughs> it's, it's all one. It's all one fucking dialogue box. <laughs> I believe it, Marco. What do you think about this? Listen, don't sugarcoat it. On the like, book, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick it up just because it's a uh, Bendis and Ivan Reese book. I like Ivan Reese, um, but I mean, I don't really care all too much. Superheroes. Uh, uh, no, I mean not, not, not that, but just because I I didn't like like you guys grew up on uh, on Bendis and like his writing and stuff. Like I have no connection to him outside of powers. You read like uh, six issues of Ultimate Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, and like the six issues of Ultimate Spider Man, which I'm like, yeah, they're right. You know, so it's like I for me, it's not a it's not as big a deal because I just have no connection to this writer. If anything, more so, it's for the artist because i know well, yeah, uh, i read good. yeah um so but i mean it's a good pairing definitely really strong start i think a really good way to uh introduce bendis into dc with like a strong team 
uh, that has that has just a name to them. You know, I'm gonna uh, I'll pick it up to check it out. If it hooks me onto Superman, cool. If it introduces me to Bendis's writing, that's cool too. I like your perspective. Um, I found the internet was flooding with Bendis speak for the first for what Bendis Superman would look like, and I found my favorite one. I'm Kella of Krypton. You can call me Superman. Superman of Earth. No one really calls me that. Part-time superhero, full-time husband and father. It's a pretty cool job. The best job. <laughs> you just fucking said that. I quoted it better than how I said the first time. Was that laugh there, too? No, my laugh. It's my own laugh. That's my reaction so, laugh. Sometimes you, uh, you mesmerize me. I know. I am, uh, <laughs> I'm not unlike a god. You perplex me. So, uh, that is actually not, believe it or not, the most interesting thing about this article by Bleeding Cool. Uh, because the article then goes into a weird conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my favorite part. Yeah. Uh, so, Johnston goes on to talk about a war between Dan Didio and Jeff Johns. That somehow includes Bendis. So I'm just going to read from the article itself. This also underlines battle lines between DC co-publisher Dan Didio and DC president Jeff Johns. I have been told that Johns has approached artists he has been associated with at DC Comics to ensure he promises to line up work between them so that they don't work with Bendis. With Reese and Prado, it seems, he didn't provide a convincing enough argument. We have spoken about Team Didio and Team Johns before, with DC Rebirth seen as a real triumph of John's approaches of John's approach over Didio's New 52. But with John's more involved with films, with Didio's New Age of Heroes book about to launch, including Immortal Men, Danger, and Silencer, and Scott Snyder stepping up to taking on more of a comics guidance role, the power plays at DC Comics are all over the place right now. And into it all steps Brian Michael Bendis, brought in after conversations with the other DC president, Diane Nelson, working on Superman with Reese and Prado. Nothing could be a stronger shot across the bow against Jeff Johns that someone is taking his toys away. That's the bleeding cool I know. Yeah, right? This <laughs> is completely off the wall. It implies that Jeff Johns is the pettiest person Working in all of comics right now, which is completely inconsistent with anything that I personally know about Jeff Johns. From what I understand, he and Bendis are actually good friends. Yeah. 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 The 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 last part of that article that states that Bendis would be anything less than friendly working with Jeff Johns is buck wild. Like Yeah. It's it's odd. It's just really odd, and maybe he knows something we don't know. That that's the thing, man. Is like to me that seems like that seems like a possible implication here, because like the whole point, right, is like why was this rumor taken seriously? Is because Bleeding Cool does break stuff like this, and like they've been wrong before, but they've been right about a lot of shit like this before. Like look at the fucking Akira Yoshida business, right? Like I, I'm just saying, like. There's a chance that they know people who are closer to the situation than we are, and maybe there is some drama that's been um, overplayed. You know, like maybe maybe what uh, this reporter is hearing is an exaggeration in and of itself, but like, I don't know. There might be something brewing. 
I I would believe the DDO and Johns split. Uh, I think like the DCU and DC Rebirth were were a pretty like believable like reset button to the new 52 right like the new 52 really just for the most part you know with a with a couple of exceptions mostly fell pretty flat and uh, like i can i can definitely see there being like a big split between ddo and johns on how to repair that damage but i don't see ddo's weird side book of characters nobody's heard of being any sort of power play on that and i don't see bendis having any part of that other than just being pumped to get to work on something new yeah and um i will say that jim lee and dan didio tend to seem to be more on the same page and aligned Jeff Johns has made comments that are negative about the New 52 historically, but especially uh, after Rebirth launched. And I always thought to myself privately, I wonder how Dan Didio feels about that because the New 52 was in a lot of ways his baby. Um, That being said, though, the idea of Jeff Johns deliberately getting comic comic books um, in the works with artists he's worked with before simply to keep them away from Bendis sounds asinine. Yeah, I, I that's that seems crazy. And when are these comics even coming out? Jeff Johns is working on Doomsday Clock. And that's I mean, I don't know any more than anyone else, but from all that I can see that's the only thing he's doing for now. That's the only thing he other, has time to uh, like, do for now. Other than consulting on the movies. Right. I mean, yeah, in the comics space, just because he has that other job, like you said. So I just don't really. This does a little really, busy working on Wonder Woman 2 right now. <laughs> I, I'd be shocked if, if, if he was involved in any comics project other than Doomsday Clock and the uh, Action Comics um, 1000. I'd be shocked if he did anything else in 2018. And like that whole thing implies like they're both battling over this or i guess there are three sides battling over this by bleeding cool's estimation but like overall that that will like drastically debilitate the the product and like i like john's isn't the kind of person who would do that like even like knowing nothing about john's what i know about john's from his writing like he's not interested in that at all i don't i don't think any of these people are you know, it's like I, I, I mean, I, yeah, like I, I guess I don't necessarily think DDO is, but I can definitely see him being a lot more petty about it. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, it's just I don't know. Uh, I feel like there has to be something here. Like I doubt this is just made up, but I, I have my impression here is that what is being heard. This is what was heard through the grapevine, but as it's gone through the grapevine, it's been, you know. Uh, exaggerated, maybe. To me, that seems like the most um, believable solution to where this story came from. Kudos to Rich Johnson for either breaking the what will be one of the most interesting stories in the comic space of 2018, or for coming up with a really compelling conspiracy theory that got us to talk about it for at least 10 minutes. So, there you go. Alright, so 
now we're going to talk about the end of 2017 and the beginning of 2018 and uh, how all of that makes us feel. How we feel about 2017 as a year, um, both, you know, doing this show and then also in the world of comics, in the world of um, comic book media in general, um, and what we cast out for the future, what our predictions are for the upcoming year. And uh, we'll check this space at the end of next year, or this year, 2018, um, to see if we were right about our predictions and whatnot. So 2017 was a pretty crazy year. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in in real life, outside of comics, it was particularly uh, interesting. We'll leave it there. But in the world of comics, what a whirlwind. Um, we got some really great movies. Uh, we got the... Justice League movie, which was a movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many top five lists that film will be making, but hey, uh, we got the Will He or Won't He with Ben Affleck, which uh, we got a lot of mileage out of. Um, <laughs> Bendis left Marvel, which is massive. I mean, he's still writing for them, but uh, um, he's, you know, he's working with DC now. Uh, Doomsday Clock was announced, which is, you know, we talked about it earlier, but, uh, something that a lot of people thought would never happen, but it has, uh, announced and announced and released. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Disney bought Fox, uh, you know, in some instances, some of us got our wish and for, for other people, it's their worst nightmare. And, uh, you know, well, it remains to be seen how that'll shake up, but, uh, it's amazing that it took place. Uh, and here on the Comics Pals, I would say that uh, we had a pretty unilaterally great year in terms of we got rid of we got rid of Marco. Like, man, this year's <laughs> just been. So, what do we have on the show? The ghost of Marco? Oh, it's the Christmas tree. You don't see it? <laughs> the Christmas tree on the side of the. <laughs> The tri- His name's Mark. I guess. Easy mistake. Yeah. Uh, Mark the bark. <laughs> we had a lot of really great interviews. Uh, we hit three different conventions. Uh, those being um, Wizard World Philadelphia, FlameCon, and New York Comic Con. Uh, see, I know what I'm talking about a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had to think about what we did this year. <laughs> uh, and, and at each of those, we had great experiences meeting creators, uh, meeting and making new fans, which was cool. Fans of ours. Um and uh, we got a lot of experiences together as a unit that uh, are going to mean a lot and mean a lot, uh, mean a lot now and will mean a lot going forward um, as we continue to do this. So what I'd like to do is just have us, so I, you know, we said we got a few questions together um, and what we're going to do is we're going to give our top five things that happened in 2017, various things you'll see by the questions and then... Um, our predictions for 2018. And so what I'll do is I will ask a question and you guys will each give your answer to the question that I ask. All right. So the first question, and we're starting with the top five of 2017, is your favorite news story of 2017. Uh, for me, this was easy. Uh, Burger Books, the announcement of Burger Books is is really exciting. Um, you know, I... I really enjoy the independent space and 
Uh, anytime I, I see opportunities for established talent like Karen Berger, uh, who has the history that she has of establishing publish, uh, publishing arms like this and not just one of them. Um, this is going to be exciting. The books that come out of this will, I'm sure, be of a very high quality and, uh, I believe they'll speak to my sensibilities. So, um, easily the most exciting news for me and my personal tastes in 2017. Yeah, uh, Karen, uh, Burger's books and, uh, uh, Shelly Bond's imprint, uh, Black Crown. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, those are, yeah, big, big pluses. Yeah. What's your answer to this, Kale? Uh, I, like, you, I, I don't know. This might be surprising. It might not. My favorite news story of 2017, I think, has to be the Akira Yoshida thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man You're explain that one this whole that whole saga is just so buck wild like i just it's astounding to me it's an incredible story that for sure that it even like what i like it's it's not it's not unbelievable, but it's it's so like out there that it's the kind of thing one that would happen, but two that would be found out. It's just like like <laughs> and, and twelve years. <laughs> yeah, like we like we had a big argument about it, and you know I think we we still probably disagree about it, but like this book wild. <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. I, like I, that was a fun. It's the thing. It it when it unfolded and I watched it on Twitter and the the journalism outposts or whatever. I like I was in enraptured by the by all of it. Like I was thinking about it for days. The legend of Akira Yoshida. It sounds like the plot of a movie, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it sounds like the plot of like a of like a James Franco like Seth Rogen buddy comedy, you like, know? Yeah, like like like, <laughs> like stoner flick or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like bad early 2000s movie. That's yeah. what I, that's exactly what I was going to say. There's a movie where I can't remember the name of the actor, but he decides he wants to he he's a basketball player who is no longer allowed to play men's basketball. So is it Joanna man? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> CB Sabolski is the Joanna man of 2017. CB Sabolski, Joanna man too. That's the quote of the episode right there. Oh boy. Uh Phil, what's your favorite story? <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> this this development has has halted the show to an absolute like freeze um my favorite news of 2017 i have a few the venom movie. a few no 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 one well, one this is, no honorable mentions we decided this honorable mention venom movie i'm ready for tom hardy to lick up pete's tears anyway <laughs> <laughs> all right that's your favorite news story, my favorite news story of the year is dc's new creator driven initiative they have uh where they're talking about like uh giving more creative liberty to their writers and artists Mm. Yeah, but it seems to be paying off. So I'm real excited about to see where that uh, where that development leads. Uh, Just to provide a little more context, he's talking about 
some of the stuff that they announced, like doing more maxi series, um, making Scott Snyder's um, Batman run uh, that that end. Uh, gosh, what was the name of that that book? Um, um, All Star Batman. Thank you, All Star Batman. Was it All Star Batman and Robin? It was just All Star Batman. No, All Star Batman and Robin is Frank Miller and Jim Lee. Uh, that's a very different, uh, strange series. But um, All Star Batman becoming a maxi series in 2018, where they would try some different things with it, um, where Scott would have a lot more freedom because it would take place in a continuity continuity light version of the DCU, which is it's the same DCU, but the question of whether or not stuff actually happened matters less. Um, so that's really interesting, and there are more books in that vein coming out. That's what Phil's referring yes, to. Yes, sir. We talked all about it in our uh, New York Comic Con debrief episode. I believe it's called Is DC Working on the Next Watchmen? Go check it out. It was a fantastic little episode. And I just wanted to mention Frank Miller's Superman Year One and Grant Morrison returning to comic books. All right. Yeah. Marco, go for it. No honorable mentions. Oh, four I, really honorable thought, mentions. I really thought I was going to Marco, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, mine's a little more somber, uh, but it was the outpouring of uh, love when we lost Len Wein and Bring Your Rights in this year. Oh. Um, so just the like uh, an example of how the comics community comes together during, uh, yeah, uh, during times like that where uh, we sort of just got to get through things. Um, so that was mine. Just that um, in memoriam to these legendary creators. I'm really glad that you uh, chose that. I mean, it's a very yeah. Marco answer, yeah. but I'm glad that you brought that up because it's great for us to, you know, you 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 have to remember these people that that we lost, uh, you know, at the end of this year. And Len Wein was a huge one uh, for our community. So yeah, Adam West as well. Adam West, yeah, absolutely. that's right. Terry yeah, Fisher. While we're at it, yeah. That was 2016, actually. Yeah, it was the tail end of it, though. Yeah, oh, it was. It was. It was. Wow. Yeah, it was on my Whoops. birthday, December 27th. I'll never forget it. I, for some reason, I just I don't know. Zach, um, Zach Snyder's career. Oh, R.I.P. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sean, what was yours? Mine is Disney buying Fox. Uh. I understand that that's a controversial thing for a lot of people. Uh, I recognize very well and clearly the reasons why it might not be the best thing ever. But regardless of, of those things, the fact that it happened is really compelling. The questions that it opens up for 2018 and beyond are really compelling to me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a fanboy and I can't wait to see what Marvel does with the X-Men and with the Fantastic Four. I'm very excited for that. And I like things being shaken up. I like a good shakeup. So um, I'm excited to see what that what comes from that. And I really loved the conversations that we had surrounding that story and following it from when it was just a rumor to when the talks were confirmed but had stopped to when they were back on and then to when the purchase actually took place. So um, I had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah. It's definitely the biggest story. Of I'm really year. excited to see labor just be marginalized significantly this year. <laughs> I know. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, so the next question is your favorite comic book of 2017. Me. Okay. Go for it. Um, so I was really stuck between uh, four kids walking to a bank and space riders. 
but Space Riders won out. Awesome. Uh, it is a fantastic book of just nonstop kick-ass action. And uh, the art by Alexis is like fantastic. It's just, it's literally out of this world. Um, it's not literally out of this world. <laughs> no, it literally is. And yeah, it's, it's a great ride. Uh, it's by Black Mask uh, and it's written by Fabian uh, Rangel um, and drawn by Alexis Zerit. So like definitely check it out. Awesome. Um, Kale? So uh, I'm going to deviate a little bit from uh, my answer elsewhere, but um, I'm going to say Black Hammer um, because... Uh, it one it's a it's a, a universe of uh sort of a, a a world of golden age heroes who are are stuck in in one place um but it's also a new superhero universe that that has real depth and um char- like characterization and is expanding um which i i think is really really interesting um it's, it's Lemire, it, right yeah jeff lemire uh dean orm uh ormston orm ormstrom uh i apologize jeff dean. oh i forgot i mean it is the first episode of the new year so we do need to commemorate kale's segment of the show where he gets someone's name wrong <laughs> i fair enough uh <laughs> uh but yeah this it this world is expanding um the second title uh this the second extra title so the third title in this in this universe was announced um maybe a couple of weeks ago dr star or something um i'm i'm really excited about it i'm really just excited to see this new universe and to see what it builds um i think it's going to be one of the the better and long-lasting things up up there with uh invincible i think that's high praise uh for me it is batman by tom king uh, i read a lot of really really phenomenal comics this year uh tom king's batman stuck with me in a lot of ways uh, it hasn't disappointed yet uh the closest thing that comes to this it was a secret empire, but there's something about the way that Batman or the way that Tom King writes that just really speaks to me. And, uh, for my money, um, what he's doing on Batman is some of the best Batman that's ever been written. So, so but, my question to you is at this point, oh Tom King's run, how does it compare to Scott Snyder's run at the same point? Huh. Uh, so I think that Tom King's, Batman is it speaks more to my personal tastes. I like things that are a lot more introspective. I don't contrary to popular belief because a lot of people just think that I love superhero comics that are brainless and that's it. That's not true. Uh I uh, I I would argue with that. You just read Phoenix Resurrection and liked it. So <laughs> uh, Um Man, that's that's fucked up. But uh, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Bat, uh, Tom King's Batman is more introspective, more thoughtful, 
Um, there's a lot more meat on those bones where Scott Snyder's felt like a blockbuster summer film every arc, which is fantastic too. But this is just more for me. So it feels Tom King's run, what I've read of it anyway, feels a lot more like uh, Greg Rucka's. Uh, I guess Dan Sn- Scott Snyder's, but uh, it it feels like it it sort of their style feels very similar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've only read the f- I guess it's the first two arcs that we did. I don't quite remember where I left off, but I just remember getting the impression that like Batman just felt way more human than I've I feel like I've read him in a long time, and that really spoke to me. You know, I, I like. That a big part of it seemed like him trying to come to terms with, like, being a father to his children and, like, not just being Batman. Like, the whole – and I haven't gotten to it yet, but even, like, the entire angle of, like, him wanting to get married and, like, him wanting to have a life outside of Batman um, is a good look, I think, for the character. And I like like that Tom King's trying to take him. There's a good section in, like, issue 15 or 16, Pete, where – Bruce and his boys have like a meeting about what to do with Bane and they want to meet at a fast food restaurant. And Bruce is like, fuck. All right. And he eats a shit like a <laughs> knife and a fork. And it's, just, it's good humanizing shit. Um, Pete, what's your favorite comic of 2017? You know, I really agonized over this one. I wanted to give it to doomsday clock. Um, but I actually am going to give it to void trip. Um, just because, uh, again, like it, it speaks to my sensibilities, right? Like when I think of this year, when I, when I was trying to think of what I'll think about in this year in years, like in the future, I'm sure Doomsday Clock will be part of that conversation. But like so much of it is going to happen in 2018. And when I think about like what are the highlights for me is like Void Trip is something that's new. You know, like I've been following um, Plaid's art for a long time. I watched him put out teaser art for this comic for so long and for um, to finally get it and for it to have really, uh, really sparked a interest in me in something that's brand new for the first time in a long time. Um, that's really special. So I wanted to give uh, give that book. It's uh, just desserts in my mind. And uh, if you're not already reading Void Trip, uh, go check our episode about it and go read it. Issue number one and two are out. So Nice. And Phil? You know, there was a few books I was going back and forth between. I thought about Batman, but I am also not up to date. I am, I don't know, like 30 issues in or something. Uh, I really like it, though. I think I like it more than Scott Snyder's run at the same point. Um, Savage Town was really good. Um, I know Marco and I read that. Yeah. Uh, I like, I like, uh, New Superman quite a bit too. Um, the, uh, Gene Lin Huang version by Phil, please, Phil. Phil, honorable Stop. mentions. We're not doing them. Like, one sentence. Dark Knight Metals is really good too, but I'm, I'm gonna say Mr. Miracle is my book of the year. I, am super impressed by it all around. This is, this is, Tom and Mitch at their finest to me. Um, this resonates in a way that uh, Vision did and Omega Men and Sheriff. Uh, and it's it, to me, above all else, this is what exemplifies why Tom King is the best creator in the industry right now. And it just makes me more and more interested in what he has to do going forward. Phil, you're punished. Nah, you can't stop me. Favorite comic book movie of 2017? 
Um, Mark, I'll start us off. I think we're all going to agree on this one. Logan. Yeah, no. That's the. All right, if you chose Logan. Raise your hand. Yeah. I'm raising my hand. I get it. It's an audio I podcast. I, <laughs> I got. I'm. I'm. I'm sort of a halfy on that one. Halfy. Yeah. You have a I pick? have another answer as well. Okay. So for, then, Kale, what's your pick? So for me, like I, I did really enjoy Logan, but I also really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. Um. Mm. And and both of those for two. Well, for two very different reasons, but also the same reason. They were. You know, they were superhero movies in a different format. They were exploring, like, they were really exploring uh, a different genre um, within the superhero realm. And um, I think that's that's going to be really important for superhero movies going forward. Um, and I think they both, like, Thor Ragnarok had had problems, you know. And like looking back on it and what I now know, and this is going to sound pretentious, but living in New Zealand uh, about the New Zealand director, there's a lot, a lot of Kiwi humor in there that Americans just don't get. Um, and I've, I've had to learn that from like Kiwi people and it's really actually interesting. Um, but um, I, yeah, to me, I think uh, Thor Ragnarok is easily one of the one of the better movies that came out this year um so yeah logan was a uh, a real hard fought you know it, it was almost my pick but i i have to give it to wonder woman um because wonder woman really surprised me uh i expected logan to be good and logan delivered exactly what i was expecting from it and that's not a bad thing because Lo- like logan's a masterpiece don't get me wrong like logan's a better movie than wonder woman but Wonder Woman, like, it had a few moments that just really hit me in an emotional way, um, that I wasn't expecting. It, it had, it was very earnest and it was very inspiring, you know? And I think, um, I remember about, we all saw it together and about halfway through it, I, it was during the No Man's Land sequence. I remember Phil leaning over to me and just being like, like, what, like, why can't Superman feel like this? And like, that's true though. And like, that's like, I feel like Wonder Woman to me, like set a standard for like that. Like that is what an inspirational superhero movie should feel like when it soars. Like it has its problem. I hate the third act. I talked all shit all up and down about it. But to me, like the fact that I feel so strongly about it and that I'm willing to go to bat for that movie so hard in spite of my problems with it speaks to why it was my favorite comic book movie of 2017 um wonder woman left a real impression on me can i speak on behalf of logan uh sure i don't think logan was just the best superhero movie of the year i actually think it was the best movie of the year um i've seen a lot of movies this year um including some of those more uh academy award baity type films and that's not to take away from them either but i think logan is a flawless film i think it's among the best superhero uh adaptations ever made um I think it's gripping, it's real, has heart. The performances by Hugh Jackman, the little girl, and Patrick Stewart are Academy Award worthy of themselves. Um, and I like how down to earth the story is. It's just about a man, his father figure, and like becoming a father. It deals with all the old tropes of a Western. Wolverine is like the last last cowboy of the old West. 
and it has a really meaningful story. It's a true writer director film, and it's the I think it's the best thing Fox has ever put out. Go watch it in black and white. It's dope. The noir version. Yeah, I still haven't done that, but I'm dying to. It's a hell of a way to send off Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Yeah, and I think you've you've said it all on that that movie. We can just move on. Uh, so, favorite comics pals interview of 2017. Oh. Can I start this one? Or did you have one, Sean? Go for it. Uh, So for me, I guess this wasn't necessarily our first one, but it was sort of our first really big one. Uh, This is a tie between our first one and our last one. Uh, Chris Sabella and Isaac Goodhart. Um, Chris Sabella was... uh, He was an amazing guest, very gracious, very uh, patient with how, uh, you know knew we were in the game 30 episodes in but um he uh i think that interview really showed how good we are with our guests and the way you know uh we and you guys you know uh, sean and pete specifically like can like you guys know how to conduct an interview um and it's really good and then uh isaac you know just was that last week? Yeah, last week. Uh, was that whole thing was just like it, it, it sort of shown like the brightness of the, the, the comics community. I think like Isaac, he's a, he's a, an up and coming cre- creator who's incredible, but he was just so, he was just pumped to be here. Um, and like, uh, again, you guys nailed that interview a hundred percent. And, um, it, you know, uh, we conduct our stuff just really professionally. And I, to me, those are the two like shining examples of, of, of that. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, for me, it's our interview on the podcast with Dirk Manning. The interview that we did with him at, uh, Philly was awesome. It included Twisted. And the rest of the creative team behind uh, the Haunted High Arms. But when we got to talk to him just on the show and have him for an extended period of time, uh, that was one of my favorite moments of this show just in general. Uh, I love talking to Dirk. Dirk is very funny, insightful, inspiring. And he had a lot of compelling things to say about the industry and about um, – you know, one of the one of the best parts of it, I thought, was when he was talking about how there were plenty of people in the industry, names we would know, who told him that Tales of Mystery would not be a success because it had a black uh, main character, because it was a weird story, because it was horror at a time when horror comics were not popular uh, 12 years ago. You know, um, so many reasons why it wouldn't be a success. And we're interviewing him when he's doing a Kickstarter that had been one of the most successful Kickstarters of all time. You know, that's amazing. And so uh, hats off to him. Dirk's a fucking G, man. Yeah, and I'm really glad that he did this show, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to have him lose at Apples and Oranges. <laughs> yeah, well, and, yeah, Dirk's always been incredibly kind and gracious to us. He's He's really, truly a good friend. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, I love the first interview you did with him for us at, uh, at Wizard World. That was fucking hilarious. 
Oh yeah, yeah, that was a good, that was a fun one. No, no, um, yeah, it, it, just when he uh, he made that joke from the CM Punk thing where he's like, "Look, if your arms aren't long enough to box with God, that's fine." <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> the yeah. best. Pete, do you want to go next? Yeah. Um, so uh, I I was also really really partial to our interview with Sabella. Um, I'm gonna break my own rule and give that one the honorable mention there, just because um, that was our first. And it was uh, it, it was it was a big moment for us for sure. And I remember leaving that feeling a lot more confident about the show in general. So that was a great moment. Um, I think my favorite episode we've done on the show, interview wise, was with Ryan Katie. Um, that was a great episode. He was a great interview subject. He stuck around for the whole time, uh, and we had a blast. You know, and he he was just um, he was just a great guest and another really just like fun person to shoot the shit with. Um, and again, he's kind of like a young blood. So like, I feel like he still kind of like, you know, he still feels like he's like on our side of the fence, even though he's really kind of breaking in. And it's always fun to get to talk to somebody like that who is so um, humble about everything because it's still happening to them. And in terms of like the stuff we've done at cons, like when me getting to talk to Jerry Conway was like one of the coolest things I've done in my my career. Uh, as a journalist. So getting to, to talk to Jerry for like a solid like 15, 20 minutes about his entire career and having him be such a down to earth person about it, you know, and giving me straight answers and, you know, like um, not having any, uh, you know, pomp and circumstance about himself, d- despite the fact that he's a living legend uh, was just a really awesome experience and something I'll always remember. Cool. Marco. Um, mine was Isaac, uh, just cause he, well, he's also one of like the first creators that I've just like kind of built a rapport with, which is, which ended that, so that's just been really cool. Um, it was, it was one of those moments like, so we met him at FlameCon, right? Uh, and then you're- It's another great interview. Uh, and, and then at, at, at Comic-Con, he like knew my name and I was like, (gasps) Uh, so it was just one of those, uh, those moments, um, and which is why, like, it, it he made for a good interview too. It was just because he was able to connect with us really well, and I feel like we connected with him pretty well. Um, so yeah, awesome, Phil. <clears throat> I wanted to take the opportunity to uh, give a shout out to our various con interviews, and uh, if you're listening and you haven't watched them, they're actually really worth watching. Um, just to highlight one from each of us, Pete with Gary Conway at New York. That's a really good one. Marco at FlameCon with Isaac, which he just mentioned. That's a really good one. I think that's a good uh, lead in for our interview with him that we just did very recently. Uh, the one I did with Rob Liefeld in Philly. Uh, that's a really good one. Uh, Sean with Gail Simone in New York. I think that's a really good one. You should check that yeah. out. And then Kale with Jason Gibson, uh, not Jason, Jordan Gibson. Uh, that's a really good one from Philly. Uh, so I think if you're listening, you should check out each of those interviews. It actually showcases each of our uh, our interviewing prowess, as it were. And it gets a good interview out of each of these these creators. Awesome. Um, so last one for top five of 2017, favorite creator of 2017. Now, I want to say no honorable mentions. Just pick one creator, leave it at that. Writer, artist, letterer, inker, whatever. One person. Uh, okay, I'll go. Uh, mine is going to be Andrew McLean, uh, who does uh, 
Headlopper. Um, Headlopper for me was one of the my favorite books that I read in in 2017 and is still ongoing. Um, I know the the trade is coming out soon, uh, probably in you know at at least March of 2018. But uh, just his unique um, styling. Uh, art-wise and pacing uh, is just, it's incredible. Um, and I think anything less than a creator-owned book for this guy is uh, like a huge mistake because the, like Andrew McLean should, cannot and should not be shackled down to uh, the big two. Um, this guy needs to blow up in his own way and uh, I think he's gonna. Hope he does. Phil? It's obviously between two people, but I'm going to go, and I'm, I obviously gravitate toward writers typically, but I'm going to go with Mr. Rads. I, I think his art that he's done is so exemplary and so ahead of the curve in a way that I don't think any, I, I think he's on his own level. Honestly, I think the things he's done with like Mr. Miracle, with the creativity of the paneling and the, and the, and the art, for me, he's the creator of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great answer. I think that's a good pick, um, Pete. Uh, so this was really hard for me, but I have to give it to Jeff Johns. Um, I think I have never really had much of a relationship to Jeff Johns. I've always been more of a Marvel guy in my you know youth, and um, this was the first year I would say I was really exposed to a significant amount of his work between my, my work for CBR doing research and then uh, reading um, Doomsday Clock as it comes out. Uh, but also I want to give a nod to the work that he's been doing outside of the comics as well. You know, like I think um, Wonder Woman actually being good is, is largely in part due to him. And that's a huge achievement considering that that plane was taking a fucking nosedive and he jumped in and pulled it up. So um I have to give it to him just because not only have I enjoyed every single thing that I've consumed by him this year, um, uh, you know, Doomsday Clock takes an, an enormous amount of courage to do. And the fact that he's doing it and for my money succeeding, um, I'm just impressed. I think that Johns has had an incredible year as a creator and considering he's already such a name, um, the fact that he's doing such inspired work at this point in his career is awesome. So I, I have to give him uh, credit where credit's due. I, I'm really impressed with his output this year. I think he fucking nailed it in 2017. Marco? Um, for me, it's going to be Tyler Crook. Uh, I always talk about him on Harrow County, but uh, more so it's it was a pick because... Um, uh, so I, earlier this year, I got a commission from him and then I purchased uh, one of his pieces, one of his covers for Harrow County. Um, and it was due mostly to um, him just being like a, an awesome human. Um, recently his wife had a double mastectomy um, due to breast cancer and like him having to deal with that plus continually producing art uh, on a, like on a schedule and um, him like taking the time to also like do this commission for some dude who wanted like a character, you know, like, like so just for him being uh, an awesome human, um, he had sent me a note with one of the 
paintings as well just like as as a thank you for um uh for like helping him pay you know some bills um with, with some of the money that my brother and i um, bought his art with so like just for being a human um and doing good art awesome for me, it is the other half of the dynamic duo that Phil alluded to. I chose Tom King. Uh, Tom King's Batman has been uh, amazing. It was my book of 2017. And then also uh, Mr. Miracle is fantastic. Uh, and right now, it looks like Tom King can do no wrong. I still haven't read anything by him that I thought was bad. Uh, I didn't love the beginning of his Batman run, but everything since then has been great. Um, and then if you stretch back into prior years, everything he's done has been great. So uh, to me, he's he's the – it doesn't get any bigger than him. No, he's the cream of the crop. For yeah, totally. Yeah, I was going to say, Phil said it before. Like I honestly think that Tom King is the best working writer in comics today and like by a pretty wide margin. You know, he's an exceptional fucking talent. Agreed. So, now we'll jump into our top five predictions of 2018. Let's try to get through this a little bit quicker. Um, the first question is, will Ben Affleck officially announce that he will leave the Batman role this year? Yep. Yes. yes. No. Fuck. No. Yes. No. No? No. Nope. Nah. The eyes have it. <laughs> I think I think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait and see uh, what happens after this uh, solo Batman film comes out, whether or not he's in it. Like I think, one way or another, that that'll be the thing that lets us know what happens. All right, uh, what comic book movie do you think you'll enjoy the most this year? Avengers: Infinity War for me. Mine's Deadpool two. I, I'm like, Same. this was tough for me. Like, there's a lot that I'm interested in this year, but I'm inclined to say Infinity War as well. So I'm, I'm going to say that. Phil? Venom. <laughs> Get the fuck out my mentions. Venom. You've been spinning a lot. Real answer. No, that's it. You've been spinning a lot. I'm, I'll give you the real answer. I'm ready for Venom. You've been spending a lot of time with your brother, and that's <laughs> not okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, will the Fantastic Four return to Marvel's comic book lineup this year? So, will Marvel publish new Fantastic Four comic books? Yes. 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 At, at the yeah. end of the year, I'd say. Like, toward the end of 2018. Yeah. yeah. Two for one will end, and we'll get Fantastic Four number one, I guess. I don't know if they would pick up the numbers again. Well, we'll that remains to be seen. Will the Comics Pals interview one of these three creators this year? And I want to preface this by saying in any way. So whether it's on the podcast or at a convention, Grant Morrison, Tom King, and Scott Snyder. I've been on it. Yes. No. All three or or one of them? One One of them. One One of them? Yeah. Oh, I say no. Then I say say yes on Snyder and King, no on Morrison. No, it's only it's one. Just one. Yeah, you, you, think, just, we, you just have to think, you think we can get one. I all I already said yes. I'm qualifying the rest of my answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 
We almost we almost secured an interview with each one of these people. Yes, which yeah. is why yeah. I chose them. That's what I'm so, saying. It, yeah. Like I I talked to each of them or their talent and got got a soft yes. So I'm fucking making this shit happen. I one spoke to Scott Snyder. Right? Yeah, I believe in Pete that, and I believe in Sean and trying to land one of these guys for an interview. I'm saying if yeah. we if we get Grant Morrison, I will eat crow. I will give Pete a hundred dollars. Like we're not getting Grant Morrison. I thought you were gonna say give I him need a hundred bucks, so I better make that shit happen. <laughs> I can use a hundred bucks in a blowjob. I mean, if yeah. we get Grant Morrison, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last question is: What comic book creator will break through and become a major star in 2018? Christopher Sabella. Ooh, good That's answer. answer. Yeah. Good answer. That's a good pick. He got the bump, so. I am going to, man, uh, I'm going to go with Matthew Rosenberg. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good answer, I, too. I think that Matthew Rosenberg is a talent. I think Marvel has recognized that talent. Um, he's on Phoenix Resurrection. Uh, he wrote Kingpin. Uh, he's done several things for Marvel. And so I really think that they're going to lock him in. And mm-hmm. I think that he's going to become one of their top stars in 2018. Yeah, he he authored four kids. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's I mean, early on that was stellar. So I think yeah, I think he's gonna blow the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good that's a good pick. Um, mine I think is uh, for me it's an easy answer. It's Isaac. You know, um, Isaac Goodhart. Yeah, I mean, like he is finishing up with Postal this year. Um, and he'll be a free agent. Like he did the DC workshop. He told us as much that he has a couple of major things lined up. Like he's an incredible talent. Like he's got a, a small level of name recognition, but postal, I would say has decent name recognition and, uh, he's got connections at DC now. So it's, I think it's just a matter of like, what do they put him on? Yeah. You know, I think we're going to see him on his first big two book this year. I think he'll probably pick up another creator owned title with somebody else. Like, I think we're going to see a lot more work from Isaac and I think it's going to be a lot more, um, relevant work. And again, that's not a dig at Postal, but like, Postal's not a top 25 book. I, I think we will see Isaac on a top 25 book wow. in 2018. All right. Uh, Marco? Uh, mine's going to be, I think, uh, probably Jordan Gibson. Um, it's a, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's good, oh. it's a good pick. If, if that's what Kale was going to pick, then I switch mine to. <laughs> uh, I mean, I also have another pick. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah, but he's he's great. He's uh, currently he, he just announced, or like a couple weeks back, he announced he's doing covers for Power Rangers, which is huge. Um, he also I don't know. I, I don't know if we can say. Yeah, we can't say what what the other said. But we know know another really cool thing he's going to be doing. Yeah, so (laughs) that hasn't been announced yet, so we can't say. Because we have scoops. (laughs) You heard it here first, uh, but we can't can't tell you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, beat! (laughs) Um, I'm also really excited for uh, Mighty Hero Mantis to get off the ground. Yes, Um, yeah. I don't know if if that will happen because uh, of all the other work he's doing, but... I'm 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 still very much looking forward to that uh, to that little series he's got going. Yeah. And Kale? Uh for me like this probably won't come as too much of a surprise but uh, like Jordan Gibson is you know one of my uh 
d- definite picks for for 2017 but i i think we're gonna see uh tom king blow up in a way that will be pretty unprecedented more so um he, more so uh he's already done work that is just incredible and you know uh, it's stuff that's never really been seen before i think i think we're gonna see him do even more and he's gonna blow us out of the water even more i think you're right i feel i feel like the attitude around his mr miracle is different than everything else he's done not that his other stuff wasn't popular but that it was like when i hear people talking about it it's like tom king's mr miracle like i feel like his name is starting to mean something um because people are fucking realizing what we realized forever ago (laughs) i i heard whispers of like projects he has on the horizon when we were in new york from other oh that's right and i'm i'm intrigued by what that could mean oh oh my god yeah i just remembered what you were talking about and i i feel like we could say it but i wouldn't i wouldn't risk it and i wasn't i wasn't at new york so i don't know if this is what you guys are talking about so this is a hundred percent my speculation let me qualify all that um i would not be surprised and this is wildly like a, a minimum of what could happen i would not be surprised at all if he uh started like reviving like old jack kirby titles uh Ooh. like if he opened up like uh uh if he just cracked open the whole like fourth world stuff um or commandy like like he i he's gonna he's gonna blow us all away i really think he will yo and if you got teamed up with zirit for that kind of a series that'd be sick maybe maybe like a dark side like parademon grainy goodness thing that that actually yeah that might be really good so uh that does it for our list of the top five things from 2017 and our top five predictions for 2018 uh it would be awesome if you guys at home also answered these questions. So we're going to post them up and you guys can feel free to answer them uh, and send that to us in any of the various ways that you can get the comics pals. Uh, you could leave it as a comment on iTunes. And while you're there, uh, make sure to drop that like that five star rating. Um, you can write to us at the comics pals at gmail.com and share your list with us. And we'll definitely uh, read that on the air. Uh, you can get us at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold, and share the list, unless it's too long, you know. Um, and then uh, on YouTube, of course, you can leave us a comment. You can leave your list as a comment. And while you're there, you can like the video, uh, subscribe to our channel, which will help us out a lot, and share with your friends so that they can subscribe too and uh, answer the question if they've got answers. Uh, so... 2017 has been awesome for us, the Comics Pals. Uh, We've seen a lot of growth, and uh, we're committed to doing even better on every single level in 2018. And uh, I can't wait for what we have in store. And if you're a fan of this show, I think you should really be excited uh, for what we're planning to do next year. Bigger and better things in every way. So with that, let's do some plugs. Pete. Cool. Uh, yeah, so thank you again so much for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals and uh, for joining us here all year in 2017. It's been uh, a bit of a mixed bag, but this this show has been a consistent bright light for me. So, um, And all of you at home are a huge part of that. So thank you so much for listening and writing in and uh, caring about the show. 
Uh, so if you guys want to get some more from me, you can find me at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, talk to me about any of the stuff that's going on. Tell me about your favorite books of the year. Uh, check out cute pictures of my cat or the dork, dorky stuff I do on the weekends. Um, if you want some more content from me, you can check out my writing over at CBR.com. I've got two articles up still making me money about Majin Buu and Finn from Star Wars. So uh, you could go give those a read uh, or at least give them a click if you want to help me out and help me pay the bills. Uh, and then if you want to catch some more content from me here at the Pals Network, you can find me and Sean on the video game Pals. Uh, we'll have our first episode of 2018 posting tomorrow. It's a heavy one, but I think one of our stronger episodes thus far. So uh, I'd love if you'd come and be that com- part of that conversation. Uh, we're talking about the issue of swatting. And uh, and then you can also catch me and Thompson Monday through Friday on our Let's Play show, Pals Play. Uh, where, uh, you know, Thompson and I play video games, we have a good time, we fuck around, and uh, that show is a joy to produce, so I'd love if you would uh, go check both of them out and let us know what you think if you're uh, if you're into video games. Yo. Uh, guys, 2018 is going to be the year of Kale Ward. Um, I am cranking out comics material. Uh, Letty and I are working on submitting to uh, one specific anthology. Um, I'm currently working on part two of uh, the Finman from the Deep. So this Yay. will be from the Deep number three. It's very exciting. Um, I, I'm so pumped. Um, if you if you want to get on the ground floor of Letty and I's work, uh, panels is on uh, Selfie at Selfie.com slash Panels Publishing, where you can get a DRM-free copy of uh, all of the work Panels publishes. Um, it's it's all very, very good. I highly recommend uh, Sosmonaut the Cosmonaut. Um, we're also on Comixology at, under uh, Panels Publishing, and uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm sure I'll be... I'll be bitching about something. Uh, at Toto Into, that's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. All right, Marco. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Marco Animoto. Um, I've been putting up videos of my vacation and just random goofiness uh, So on Instagram. So you want to go check that out. And point me to the right direction of an indie book on Twitter. I read indie books and stuff. Okay, bye. <laughs> Harass Marco on Twitter to read more comic books about superheroes. No. Tell Marco he's a fuckboy and he should finally read his Invincible Compendium. That's fair. Phil. According to this Porg name generator, uh, if I was a Porg, my name would be Puddles Vaughn Flapdoodle. So t- do with that what you will. Flapdoodle! That's adorable. Uh, If you want me to list more honorable mentions to the chagrin of the rest of the pals, tweet at me at Cyborg Bebop and follow me on Instagram at also Cyborg Bebop. Don't type in the word also. It's just at Cyborg Bebop. Awesome. As for me, you can find me on Twitter only at the Comics Pals. uh, And I would love to hear what you think about 2017 and what you're excited about in 2018. Uh, so you can hit me up there and we can talk about it. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. See you next year. For all things I... <laughs>